When I was younger, I really struggled with Lent. I saw it as a time when I was supposed to acknowledge how full of failings I was, when I was supposed to apologize daily for my deficits as a human being. And having been raised in a religious tradition which saw and emphasized how sinful humans and especially female humans were, I was already full of shame and guilt. So the prospect of six and a half weeks of further mortification was daunting. And so I approached Lent as I approach every distasteful task. I did exactly what was asked and no more, and I gritted my teeth the entire time. As you may imagine, it was not particularly fruitful. More recently, though, I have come to realize that the purpose of Lent is quite the opposite of what I had supposed. Lent is a time for repentance, to regret and return to what is the deepest self. The deepest self, of course, is that which is part of God. All the things that we are asked to do in Lent, to pray, to give alms, to deny ourselves pleasure, to reflect on scripture, these are only methods of making ourselves open to the possibility of remembering God in us. In our tradition, we tell the story of Adam and Eve, who were once very familiar with God, but who lost the memory of God when they embraced the seduction of evil. They had known God in ways we don't even have language to describe, but they turned away. They allowed something beside God to be primary in their lives for a time, and they lost the ability to be with God. What is remembering God? I think mostly it means remembering that we are good and we are loved. But it also means that we are part of that miraculous, mysterious energy where nothing is impossible but nothing is predictable. Remembering God means opening ourselves to the ways in which we and God are constantly evolving together. We and God are in a back and flow forth of energy in much the same way as the earth evolves in response to the atmosphere and the atmosphere responds to the way the earth is evolving. The readings today comment on this dynamic relationship between what we believe about God and then how we experience God in our lives. The psalm says, what if I had not believed that I should see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? That sentence captures the whole phenomenon. The psalmist is suggesting that there is some relationship between believing and happening. Not that the Lord is only good because we believe the Lord to be good, but that we can see the goodness of the Lord because we believe it is there. Abraham and God have been back and forth with each other several times by the time of the Old Testament reading we heard today. Abraham has left the land of his father, buried his father, sent Lot away, rescued Lot, gone into Egypt, passed his wife off as his sister, gave her to Pharaoh, took her back from Pharaoh, and left Egypt by the time we get to this reading. <laughs> Throughout this long dysfunctional saga, God has promised Abraham that he will be the father of the people of God, and Abraham has acted for the most part as if he believed God, Although it seems incredible because Abraham and his wife have no children. 
In fact, he has fathered a child on his wife's slave just for the sake of having an heir to this one family, not the entire people of God. Abraham points out to God that it's difficult to believe God's promises because by his lights, he can't be the father of the children of God if he has no children. There, in a nutshell, is the problem. When God doesn't act the way we would prefer God to act, we're not sure we can believe in God. The story of Abraham is the story of how God defies human definition and uses the most unlikely human experiences to transform history. This is a living story, true ten thousands of years ago and true today. No doubt Abraham wondered several times whether he could believe in the promises God made him. And this is our own experience as well. We wonder how God can allow such terrible things to happen in the world if he loves us so much. We, like Abraham, don't watch what God does. We decide what God should do in order to prove that God exists. Jesus says that Jerusalem is the city that kills prophets. Jerusalem is the center of power and does not believe in anything or anyone outside itself, so it cannot see Jesus for who he is. Jesus will go in his own time, he says, but Jerusalem will not be able to recognize him. Jesus laments that he can't gather everyone together. And he says that that is because Jerusalem is not willing for it to happen. Jesus can do it. Jerusalem is not willing. Like the psalmist, Jesus points to the relationship that there is between being willing to believe, being willing to see, and actually seeing. He says, in effect, you will never see me until you are ready to see me. The Buddhists say, when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. When will we be ready? Abraham thought he was ready every time he passed another test. In Abraham's view, and probably in ours, God should act the way we think God should act. When good things happen, we say God is merciful. And when bad things happen, we say God must have a hidden plan. We say God works in mysterious ways. When what we mean is God does have a plan we approve of, we just can't see it yet. These ideas may indeed offer transient comfort, but they are flawed because they are only our ideas. Getting ready, being ready to see God, to see God's work in us and with us, has to start with acceptance that evil is real and happens aside from God. Horrible things befall us having nothing to do with God's will. When evil arrives in our lives, the further we are away from remembering that we are in God and part of God, mysterious, unknowable, and all-loving, the further we are away from that, the more we become depressed and despondent or numb and brittle. Despair, fear, the sense of ourselves as unworthy or deficient, these states prevent our believing that God is present and faithful and that God is always at work transforming us. Abraham's story is our story. Abraham found himself in very trying times but believed that God would be faithful to him. Believing allowed him to listen for the voice of God, to live in the mystery of God. Lent is given to us that we may empty ourselves of distraction 
for a while and listen to the whispering of God with whom we then can create the future. The good news is that Lent is not a matter of feeling bad all the time. Lent is a matter of really remembering deeply and powerfully that we are really loved and really good. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.